If you have your Bible with you today, please open with me to the New Testament book of Romans. We're going to be in Romans chapter 12, and we're going to start reading in verse 1 in just a moment. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. And as you're turning, I want you to ponder this very serious question. If I were to have you write down what percent of you, what percent of your whole life, belongs to God, and I don't just mean in the Creator sense, He owns everything. I mean, what part of you have you given to God? What would that number be? Now, think about that for a second. What percent of your life have you given to God? Now, I'm not talking about when you came to Christ for salvation. I mean in your daily walk of life, what part of your whole life has been given to God? That question is a little uncomfortable, isn't it? When we start thinking about it and start, start putting a number on the amount of our life that we've given to God, it's, it's uncomfortable. And we know that we should give ourselves wholly to God. And, and maybe we've tried to do that, but, but many times we know He deserves it. Maybe we have good intentions, but many times we, we begin to take our life back a little bit. We, we, we begin to withhold this area or that area of our lives, and, and we'll... Before we know it, it's kind of like a subtle creep. We've all of a sudden gotten our life back under what we think is our control, and we try to hold back our life from God. Now, what Paul's going to tell us today in Romans chapter 12 is he's going to plead with us to give ourselves wholly to God, 100% given to God. Now, where we're going to pick up, it starts out with the word, therefore. And usually, therefore is not a good place to start a sermon because therefore is a conclusion but we're not going to read Romans chapters 1 through 11 just so you can understand what therefore is talking about. I'll just fill you in a little bit. In chapters 1 through 11, Paul has been talking about, and of course he goes very in-depth here, but he, goes on, he, he says that uh, all people, whether Jew or Gentile, doesn't matter, all people are sinners before God. And, and the way that we can be forgiven of that sin is putting faith in Christ. And, the, and he tells us that God has offered us that salvation and that's really the gist of what he says. Now, like I said, he goes very in-depth, and he, he fleshes that out a whole lot more. But because of that, therefore, what we're going to read is what follows. Now, uh, the way Paul structures his letters most of the time is he'll have a theological section at the beginning, and then he'll have a practical application at the end. And so in chapter 12... Starting in verse 1, he begins that practical application of what he said in the first 11 chapters. And what he says is, because you've been shown all this grace, because you've been shown all this mercy, therefore, give yourself to God. Now, that's where we're going to pick up, and, and, and we're probably only going to get through the first verse. We're going to read the first two verses, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll focus on the first verse today, and then next week we'll hit verse 2, because those two verses go together. Now, if you have found Romans chapter 12, please stand with me in honor of God's Word, and we're going to begin reading in verse 1. Paul says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good 
and acceptable and perfect. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, as I said before, we're going to focus in on verse 1, and and this is such a significant passage. We're going to spend quite a bit of time in uh, in these few words that he pens here. And the first thing he tells us to do is give yourself to God. Give yourself to God. Now, when we look at what Paul says, you'll notice that he says, give yourselves to God, present yourself as an offering, as a sacrifice to the Lord. Now, that may not seem like a very significant thing, but it really is when you start to consider uh, the facts of the matter. Paul begins, notice he says, I urge you. Your Bible may say, I entreat you or I beseech you, therefore, brethren. He is, he is pleading with us to give ourselves to God. Now, that doesn't seem like that big of a deal, but just think. If anybody has a right to command us to give ourselves to God, who is it? God, right? I mean, He's our Creator. He's the one that made us. We are His by matter of creation, if nothing else. We are also His by matter of redemption. We, are, we have been bought with a price. Jesus paid it all, all to Him I owe. And so if anybody has a right to demand that we give ourselves to God, it's God Himself. Paul, the inspired apostle, he, he was writing the words of Almighty God. He could have demanded us to give ourselves to God. But notice what he does. He urges us. He beseeches us. Why? Because the attitude with which we present ourselves to God is of utmost importance. See, God could demand that we do this, that, or the other. Think of it this way. In in a slave-master type relationship, the master has the right over the slave. And the master could say to the slave, do this, do that. And the slave, many times, he... He might do it, but it would be outward obedience, wouldn't it? He may do it with reluctance. And he may do it even if he didn't want to because he didn't want to be abused in some way. But that's not the case with God. He urges us, he invites us, he entreats us to present ourselves to him. Not because he needs us, but because he loves us. And as we just said a moment ago, we're the ones that profit when we say, I will walk with Jesus all the way. So what is this offering to be like? Look again at verse 1. The first thing it's to be is complete. Complete. Paul calls us to give give our bodies as a living sacrifice. Now this offering is complete in two ways. First, it's complete because he talks about our whole being. Now when he says, present your bodies, that uh, that word bodies is not just talking about our flesh and blood existence on earth. It it entails that, it covers that, but it's talking about our whole selves. Now, a lot of people, we just want to give God our spirits, don't we? We'll say, well, I'm just going to let God save me. I'll do Him a big favor and allow Him to save me, keep me from hell, like that's a big gift to God that you're benefiting. And so we say, well, He can have my spirit. Or we say, you know, I'll go to God's house, oh, you know, once or twice a month whenever I... You know, whenever I can get out of bed and, and it's, oh, you know, I, I know I have to get up at 5 in the morning every other day, and, but I just can't get to church by 10.30 sometimes. And listen, I understand you have kids at home or whatever it is. I understand on Sunday morning if you're going to fight with your spouse, fight with your kids, or have issues where things don't go right, it's going to be Sunday morning. I get it. Happens at the pastor's house. I get that. But listen, sometimes we say, well, I'll just give God my spirit. 
I'll just allow him, I'll give him that part of me. But God wants his, he wants our whole being. He doesn't just want us on Sunday morning. He wants us every day of the week. And second, it's to be complete because it's to be a sacrifice. It's to be a sacrifice. Now think about the Old Testament. We get, we, we start out January 1st. I'm going to do, I'm going to do something good. I'm going to read the Bible all the way through, right? Genesis, doing good. Exodus, got through the Red Sea, doing good. Get to the end of Exodus, got the, all the priestly garments in the tabernacle. Okay, it's getting kind of hard. Leviticus, I'm done, right? Leviticus, and I know it's, it's hard to get through all those, all those laws, but even if you don't get all, you know, you can't understand all the giving of this and, and giving of that, and it's just, oh, it, your mind just goes numb. Even if you can't remember all that, you can remember this. The person who brings an animal to sacrifice, what happens to that animal? It dies. Right? It's a dead sacrifice. Because it is a sacrifice, they would slay the animal, cut it up into pieces, and burn its body. And Paul says, be a sacrifice. And we say, no thanks. They're going to pass on that one. But what he's saying is, just like the one who brought the offering would release his claim on whatever it was that was offered, he's saying, you need to take your hands off your life and give it to God. He's saying you need to be a, a, a living sacrifice, not one that, that, that dies, but give your life for the Lord. Live your life for the Lord. And it's to be an everyday, ongoing gift to Him. When it comes to giving ourselves to God, a lot of times we're more like chickens than pigs. And here's what I mean. There's an old story about a chicken and a pig that were walking down the road. And the chicken turns to the pig and says, you know, I think we need to open a restaurant. And the pig says, well, that sounds like an all right idea. Well, we call it. He says, bacon and eggs. And the pig says, you know, I think I'm going to pass. Because while you'd be involved, I'd be committed. Now, a lot of times, we are like the chicken when it comes to giving ourselves to God, aren't we? We'll be involved. We'll say, yeah, God, oh, you know, here's an egg every once in a while. But we don't want to be like the pig because the pig has given him whole self, his whole self in the service, right? Don't be like a chicken, be like a pig. Now, if, if you don't remember anything else, you'll probably remember me saying that. But hopefully you remember the point behind it. Be committed. Give yourself wholly to God. Now, before we move on to the next thing, I, I want you to know that in the original language, and again, we don't, we don't pick this up in English, but the tense here in verse 1 speaks of a decisive action, a time when we decide to give ourselves to God. The problem is, many times, we may come to a service like this, we may go to a revival service, God works in our hearts, whatever it is, and we decide, I'm going to follow God, I'm going to commit to doing that. And maybe we have good intentions, and maybe we do that, for a while, but then the fire starts to cool down, doesn't it? Life starts to happen. Life gets in the way. Things come up, work stuff, family stuff, whatever it is. And we begin to, to take some of that stuff back, and, and we don't really live for God. And what Paul is saying, I believe, is that as often as you make this commitment, 
make a real commitment, make a definite decision, draw a line in the sand. So it's to be a complete sacrifice. Second, look at verse 1. It is to be a continual sacrifice. I've already mentioned this a little bit, but it's to be a living sacrifice, a a day-to-day, ongoing sacrifice. I like what one writer said. He said, In glorious contrast to the legal sacrifices, which, save as they were slain, were no sacrifices at all, the death of the Lamb of God taking away the sin of the world has swept all dead victims from the altar of God to make room for the redeemed themselves as living sacrifices. And I just, I just love that picture. I can just see all these dead victims laying out on the altar of God and God sweeping them off to make a place for us, a place for the redeemed. See, God doesn't want us just a little bit of the time. Sometimes we say, well, I'll work for God. I'll minister for God. But listen, you can do ministry for God. You can work for God and never give Him yourself. That's what the Pharisees did. God doesn't just want your ministry. He doesn't just want your work. He doesn't just want your church attendance because you can come to church and never expect to meet God. You can go to work and never work for God. He wants you all day, every day. And as you get up and you go to work this week, and I know some of you are retired, lucky ducks, whatever it is you get up and do, roll out of bed at 11 o'clock in the morning, whatever it is, you know what? Whatever it is that you're doing, commuting back to forth back and forth to work, chauffeuring the kids around, whatever it is, God wants all of you every day. It's to be a continual living sacrifice. And number three, our sacrifice is to be consecrated. It's to be complete. It's to be continual. It's to be consecrated. Look again at verse 1. He says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living And here it is, holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Now, Paul uses two words to describe this consecration. One of them is the word holy. And the other, depending on your translation, may say acceptable or may may say well-pleasing. And in the Old Testament, whenever somebody would make an offering that pleased God, it would be called holy. And the word holy just means set apart. Listen, God wants you to be set apart in this world. He wants you to live differently than the unsaved person does. He wants you to be in the world, but not of the world. And too many of us, I think, have grown accustomed to the darkness. Have you ever gone to a place and and all of a sudden the lights went down real low? And at first you can't see anything. You're like, wow, it is so dark in here. But if you're just in there for a few minutes, what happens? Say, oh, well, I can see that. I can see that table over there. There's that lamp. Hey, there's my there's my spouse. That's the best you've looked all week, honey. Lights come on. Whew. Uh, no, I'm not talking about you. No, don't throw something at me. I'm them with you. I'd never say that. Them. So anyway, what I'm saying is we we get accustomed to the darkness. We get used to it. And sometimes maybe we go into a work situation, and when we get there, we're like, man, it is dark here. But after a while, we're like, it's not quite as bad as I thought. It may just be that we're getting used to the dark. Maybe we're starting to fit in with the dark. God wants a holy people. He wants us to be less like the world and more like Christ. 
It's to be a consecrated sacrifice. Now, why do we do this? Look at verse 1 again. He gives us two reasons. First, right at the beginning, because of the mercies of God. The mercies of God should persuade us. They're the reasons to give ourselves to God. And I, I want you to get this verse. We should give ourselves to God not because of what we think He will do to us, but because of what He has already done for us. Do you get that? Give yourself to God not because of what you're afraid He will do to you, but rather because of what He has done for you already. Sometimes we think, well, if I don't do it, God's going to work me over, so I'm just going to, I hate to do it, but I'm just going to have to do what God says. That's the wrong motivation. He says, Present, by, I, I urge you by the mercies of God. And second, right at the end of the verse, because it's a reasonable act of worship. Now, my Bible translates it a spiritual service of worship. I can only guess why the translators rendered it as uh, spiritual. But the word in the Greek has the idea of logic or having to do with the mind. In other words, it just makes sense. It makes sense because God's been so good to you. He has saved you. He loves you. It just makes sense to give yourself to Him, right? That's what He's saying. And we understand that cognitively, and we will agree with that, but, but so many times we won't give ourselves to the Lord. And notice He says it is a reasonable service of worship. We think of worship only in terms of singing songs. Worship is so much more than that. Worship is, is ascribing worth to someone or something. And when, when we come to God and we say, you know more about my life than I do, you are wiser than I am, you love me more than anybody else does, you have my best interests at heart, I'm going to let you run my life, that is a concrete way of showing God that you think he's worthy. Now I asked you at the, the beginning of the sermon to put a number on the percent of yourself that God has this morning. And so I'm, I'm just going to ask you again. How much of you does God have? And the question that naturally follows after that is are you happy with that number? Are you okay with having whatever part of you he has? Because God's not going to force you to give yourself to him. He invites you. He pleads with you. He beseeches you. He urges you. He wants you to do it, but he's not going to force you to do it. He wants it to be freely given, not under compulsion. He wants it to be complete. All of you. He wants it to be continual, every day, all day. And he wants it to be consecrated. He wants you to live for him. So the question is simply this. Will you do that? He invites you to do it. Will you give yourself to Him? Will you decide to follow Him? Will you decide to do what His Word says to do or not? It's not really middle ground, is there? It's just a yes or no question. And if so, if so commit to doing that today with His help because we can't do it on our own. Or maybe you say, you know what, I don't think I'm going to do that today, Pastor. It's your choice. But I just ask why. Is there something that you love more than God? 
Because that's really what it boils down to, isn't it? Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Do you love God at all? Are you a Christian? The Bible says that friendship with the world is, is being an enemy of God. You can't hold hands with Jesus in one hand and hold on to the world with the other. Maybe you're just holding on to the world with both hands. But maybe God is, is telling you today that you are a sinner and that you need salvation. The Bible says that all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's as simply as turning from your sin and putting your faith in Christ. And if you've never done that, I invite you to do that today. Why don't you stand with me as musicians come. And as you stand, I ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Now, I'm not just saying these things flippantly. This is one of those things that we all have to wrestle with. Am I, are you, make it personal, are you 100% given to God? Or is as much as you know how? Joshua said whenever he stood before the Israelites... Whether it's disagreeable to follow God or not, in your eyes, you make the choice. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And that's something that we all have to decide. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for your spirit which convicts our hearts, which takes us in our complacency when we feel like we're doing pretty good and you help us to see that we can always give more of ourselves to you. God, I ask that you move on each heart and help us to make a choice. And maybe even to pray the very words I choose today right now to give myself to you Lord for the person who's maybe here and they've never accepted Christ as their savior I pray that you would help them as well and draw them to you in Jesus name